the success that you get is proportional to how much time and dedication you put into what you're doing. So that gave me already a confidence boost in a way. Being a reliable contact for the customers is key, is super important. Sorry, I was laughing just a second ago or a minute ago because um, you are a Swiss person saying that you need to respond in time. So. Pixel Manager is a sweet code pixel manager for WooCommerce. It's a plugin that helps you uh, install all those tracking scripts uh, that help you track visitors and conversions. Hello friends, today we have a very special episode with Alexander from Sweetcode and Wolf und Bear. Alexander is a WordPress product builder and agency owner at the same time and today we will be discussing how each of those companies that he bootstrapped to success have influenced and how he could learn from one another. Alexander is a very interesting person, a world traveler and a Swiss native. So we were in fact schooled on the importance of time that he has taken with him from being an agency owner and translating that to having a product business and scaling that to success with, among other things, his WooCommerce Pixel Manager. So if you're interested in building a product for your agency, or you have a product and you're considering agency services, this is the episode for you. Alongside Alexander, we have Wijnand, my co-founder and technical lead of our multi-tenant WordPress cloud platform, and of course myself. My name is Roger, and today we will be discussing the intricacies of building a product and having an agency at the same time. Thanks for listening. Here we go. And if you're joining us for the first time, this is the WildCloud podcast. WildCloud is a platform where you can create recurring revenue with your WordPress websites by turning them into products that you can sell automatically. Your customers get a pre-built product, a pre-built website for them to use, which you can centrally improve over time, meaning no matter how many websites you have, you only have to manage and improve one basically turning your agency into a productized business, creating a SaaS with WordPress. So customers of WildCloud are using WildCloud to build their own Shopify, Wix, or Webflow alternative. So you can imagine if you focus on a specific functionality or specific niche, you can turn that into a product, sell it automatically, and start creating recurring revenue. The whole platform is hosted and serverless, and it introduces the scalable architecture of SaaS to WordPress called multi-tenancy. So whatever you do today, head over to wildcloud.com and have a look at how you can productize your agency or build the SaaS of your dreams using nothing but your WordPress skills. So that being said, let's dive in, shall we? But why don't we just start with a bit about you in the context of where you started and where you are today? Mm -hmm. So I started 2013, which is exactly 10 years ago. And I started with building my own agency, market performance marketing agency. Um, the reason why I started is because um, for a while I wanted to create some kind of business. And my life brought me to a point where I wanted to travel. And so I traveled half a year around the world. And it was not only just to have fun, but also to get business ideas, to find and meet people that maybe have some business, talk about their businesses. And yeah, when, when you're traveling, you find people who are traveling and are doing business. Um, I talked about, um, with a lot of interesting people. <clears throat> Without going into much detail about what type of businesses I, I met and people I met. There was one person that I met uh, who was a Google Ads expert. And he told me about what he's doing and how he's doing it. And I thought like, hmm, all the skills that I acquired in the past 10, 15, 20 years, they, they match exactly to what is needed to become good in Google Ads performance marketing. 
So that was a, an idea that I carried around for a few months uh, during my travels and when I got back home. And then at the end, it got on the top of my list of what I want to do. And then I found my first client quite quickly. And uh, that client had a WooCommerce shop. So I started optimizing ads, Google ads for his WooCommerce shop. And that's how the agency started really. And not long after I wanted to create, uh, I wanted to measure the conversions better, not only how many sales it generated, but also how much value it generated. And there was no plugin for WooCommerce that did it at the time. So I thought, okay, let's develop something because uh, developing uh, programming was a hobby of mine, not a big one, but you know, I did it from time to time. And I thought that's an opportunity to do something with my hobby again. And I have seen that big community on the WordPress repository. So I thought, okay, uh, let's put it as open source into the WordPress repository. And the deal will be, I'll give it away for free and they'll give me feedback for free. And it worked, you know, more and more people downloaded it. I improved it. I gave support and over time it grew and grew and grew. So at the same time, not only running the agency, but also that kind of the product business, um, I learned from both sides a lot. Um, I learned what to look for and, and what to optimize on the technical point of view so that my clients will have a better value in, for, in what we do for them. And also the other way around, I, I learned what clients are looking for from, from the agency side, um, what type of services and technical knowledge they need in order to not only succeed, but also be better than the competition because it's always a little bit uh, um, fighting also the competition, being, being better than them and at the edge, being at the edge of what's possible today. And so that's what I've been doing the past 10 years, um, running my agency business. Um, we have different kinds of businesses uh, as agency clients, not only WooCommerce shops, e-commerce shops, but also um, companies that generate leads over Google ads. Um, and okay, on, on the on the technical side, on the product side, uh, most of them are WooCommerce shops now. Um, so you so... could say that your product has led you to become a specialist within your market as an agency. Is, is that how they yes. usually work together? Um, I think you're making a good point. We are. Um, a boutique agency specialized on really performance marketing in a way what we see is uh, we like to see what our clients are giving us as an investment their ads budget and we try to not only make money but profitable money for them so if they invest one dollar they want maybe to have a revenue of three dollars on on the dollar or if they scale it up, obviously, if you invest $10,000, you want $30,000 in revenue. So you have, you have like $20,000 in profit margin and you can do something with them. You can grow your company, uh, you can hire people and so on. Uh, and that was a thing that I really liked about Google ads at the time that marketing suddenly has become very profitable, uh, not, not profitable, but measurable. And because of that, it was possible to suddenly make campaigns a lot more profitable by focusing on, on what's giving you value and whatnot. So we are not an agency that does everything like creatives, video, and so on, but really focusing on uh, investing the ads budget in a very profitable way nice. for our customers. Does, um, so you mentioned that um, uh, you found your first customer rather quickly, and then it also sounded like the building of the plugin started quite quickly after that. Did mm -hmm. you uh, use your plugin to also collect customers from the leads, for, rather from the people that were using the plugin, or has those, has those um, 
How's, how's that work? Good question. Um, looking back over the 10, 10 last years, yes, we found a few customers through the plugin, uh, mostly because I have two examples. So one, he requested support from us and he said something is not working. And so I helped him. Uh, I got in a conversation. At the end, it wasn't our plugin that wasn't working, but it was some setup in his shop. But he was so satisfied with how we dealt with it that we stayed in com contact. And over time, he became a very loyal customer of ours. Um, and another client that uh, was a similar story. So he wanted to have some tweak for the plugin uh, to make something a little bit different. And first, he thought if he tries to reach out to us, he might not get successful and get in contact with us. So he tried to contact other developers mm -hmm. and he didn't succeed in um, making those adjustments. And then in the second step, he tried to contact us and we replied. And we, we made the adjustment for him. And so the conversation started and he's now also a very, very loyal customer since then. Nice. Uh, so in a very organic way, what we don't do is we don't reach out to all those shops and try to make them an agency customer. Um, maybe we could, but this is certainly not our focus. Um, I believe many of them, they would, uh, it would be good for them if they were working together with us. <laughs> But uh, it's not part of the business model uh, for for now, at least. Interesting. It sounds like it could be a great lead magnet for you. Um, well, what I didn't tell is that the plugin didn't stay for free all forever. So um, I also created a pro version of it. And started to doing that in 2020, and started to sell the pro version in 2021 so there is now a free version and a pro version so many of those people and shops who were using our free version of the plugin they immediately jumped on the pro version and they're now in a way they are customers now um, not agency customers but uh, customers of the pro version of the plugin and that gives us also a nice cash flow you are you have a very interesting profile as a business owner because you essentially have a product company and an agency that are somewhat separated. I mean, you do mention that you have some customers that came from uh, the product and went to the agency, and I'm sure you have agency customers that are using your product, but yeah. uh, strategy-wise, you, you, you keep them separate. Are there yeah. lessons that you translate from your product business to your agency and vice versa? A hundred percent, yeah. So what I learned in the agency business is that being a reliable contact for the customers is key, is super important, is probably the most important factor in a relationship. So when they have a problem and they call us, you have to be there for them, you know, in time, not, not in the next minute, but let's say in, in, within 24 hours, you have to be there for them and acknowledge that you received their request and... And you have to update them. If you cannot solve it immediately, then keep them updated so they know that you are taking care of their problem. And no problem is, is too small. You know, for, for each client, his problem is always the biggest one. And you also have to make them feel like, okay, you're care you take care about their problem, no matter how big or small it is. And those clients they stay clients for a long time, forever, because they like you and you learn from them. Uh, sometimes clients are, you know, they, some, some clients are very nice in their behavior. Others are more challenging and that can be challenging for the relationship. But I learned also a lot from them. So keeping them, trying to make them happy and fix their problems is as well as important, uh, same important as for every other client. So 
yeah, your reliability is really important. And that is something that I try to transfer also to the product side of the business. So uh, we try to give uh, the best support that we can, and it reflects in the reviews that we get on the, on the WordPress repository. We get a lot of five-star reviews. Many of them, they mention that they like our support, that it's easy to get in contact with us and that we really try to help. Um, so yeah, I think this is important and key for a long-standing relationship, no matter what type of client it is, uh, the agency client or a product client. Sorry, I was laughing just a second ago or a minute ago because uh, you are a Swiss person saying that you need to respond in time. So yeah, you're <laughs> true to your culture. <laughs> so I was like, yeah, yeah. of course we're going to get this lesson today. <laughs> And, so, and then um, from, a, from a product side, um, translating lessons to, into your agency, are there certain processes, certain um, uh, methodologies that you follow in your agency development that you've carried over from being a product a developer as well? Um, I would say there are like two lessons. Uh, one is not like a major lesson, but more the experience in how to optimize the tracking measurement of campaigns um, that is something that we transfer over to the agency part where let's say as i told you we have a few clients that are generating leads and we don't have a plugin for that so what we use is the google tag manager and all the experience that we have technically with a plugin for conversion tracking we can transfer that into Google Tag Manager setups, which are sometimes are complex. You know, there's there's a hundred million ways how customers complicate their websites, <laughs> and then you need to have hundred million ways how to still track conversions and visitors. So, yeah, yeah that is like the technical knowledge one to one we can carry over to the agency side, and. One thing, one lesson that I learned is having a good brand name that is easy to remember and to spell. Uh, that's also very important. <laughs> yeah, sorry. That's uh, very close to our hearts. Uh, and that's something that we've done very well historically. Uh, obviously, we just mm -hmm. changed our name from WPCS to WildCloud. And I have to admit, it has definitely changed the way that many of our leads perceived us because now I mentioned, I noticed that they come into the call and they can actually recollect our brand name. Whereas prior mm -hmm. they would say something like, yeah, the WCP product, your WPCC uh, platform is great. And I was like, we got to change that name. <laughs> we have to be able to remember like, yeah, yeah I, I get it completely. It in my case, it's the product side is it's called the brand name is called sweet code, very easy to remember. And the agency's name is wolf and bear, like the wolf and the bear, you know, the animals, um, it has its story for itself. So I still like the name, but sometimes people would say wolf and bar or right. they would not know that this is an animal and the bear is an animal, uh, but like a beer or whatever, you know, so. And then also we have this and sign in the in the middle of the name. So how do you spell this? Is this a sign? Is this the letters or so? A lot of complication, which if I knew that the agency side would also grow internationally, I never would have done mm -hmm. this. Um, no. But now I know. And so it's important for, uh, for the listeners, if they think about uh, working internationally, then it has to be something that's easy to remember and to spell. Like, I think it can be a, like a five, letter, excuse me, a five letter word, sorry, a five word sentence. That's what I want to say. No. <laughs> can be a long word. At least it must be easy to spell so that you don't make spelling mistakes. I agree. As easy as this. Yeah. It's a it's a good segue because I was wondering um, what your ambitions are like where, from where you from where you started to where you are today. What is going to be the the strategy and the roadmap for the next five years? What is your ambition there? 
I'm not the type who makes business goals for the next uh, one or five or 10 years. To me, it's like, keep growing. Um, it's more like, a, I would say, what brought me and my agency here where I am today is our methodology. So we look at the data, we improve, um, we adjust, we look at the data. It's like an improvement process all the time. Um, and it also sounds and, like the the, um, uh, the 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 balance that you're uh, refining every time you go through that cycle is sort of um, when you were talking about the lessons you learned from the product side and the lessons you were learning from the from the agency side. It sounds mm -hmm. like the product side is um, getting a lot from the personal uh, way of actually interacting with people that you get from the agency side and the agency mm -hmm. side is getting a lot of the technical chops from the product yeah. side. And yeah. it sort of sounds like the balance that you're trying to get there between how technical are you? How personal are you? Where do you spend your time? Mm -hmm. Um, that that's sort of the, the, the cycle where you're getting to a refinement of something. Do you think that also inevitably leads to growth in that sense? If you, if you manage to really nail that, that, that balance. It does, it will, and that is something I'm looking for, um, growing more. Um, so I had a little bit of difficulty growing in the on the agency part, not only because we didn't find the clients all the time, but also because I wasn't, I didn't like the model so much. We had larger clients, but always the risk that they're going to cancel their contracts with us, and then suddenly, you know, you lose a lot of cash flow. So I hated that idea, and my, my background actually is before what I started, when I started doing this was I was working in finance. So it's, you know, cash flow is an important thing. And if that's, that's all, if that is always a little bit at risk, I have a bad feeling. And the product side actually is much more stable cash flow on the cash flow side. Um, it doesn't give us that much cash flow um, as the agency side, but uh, it's much more stable. So if 10 customers of a plugin cancel their, subscription doesn't matter because in the same time I have two new subscriptions or 10 new subscriptions. So, so what I want to say is now with both agency cash flow and product side cash flow in place, um, I think we have a really good basis um, to grow more and everything bootstrapped. I'm a little bit proud of that. Um, um, and yeah, we're already, we already looking into growing. So hiring more people, um, for specific roles, uh, which will help grow the business more. But what I want to want to say is uh, to your question, Roger, is what in the next five or 10 years, I think, um, prioritize better what I want to do in order to achieve the goal of growth and growth is, is for sure our main goal at the moment and will be for the next five, 10 years for sure. What type of markets do you, uh, and with markets, I mean, geographical areas, as well as certain feature roadmaps, um, certain value adds that you see your product or your agency can make. Um, what are the, the trends that you're seeing currently? Hmm. I don't see really a trend in what, in that type of market that we are in, mm, or maybe not from that point of view that I am in. I mean, we sell the product, the, the plugin worldwide um, in, yeah, into more than 60 countries so far. That might be even much more now. Last time I checked, it was uh, more than 60 countries mostly to the US. So I could say, yeah, the US is, uh, is a strong market, but is it a trend? I think it was always the strongest market and I don't see big shifts. And uh, actually the Netherlands are also quite uh, high on the list, by the way, of uh, yeah, we agencies love to and track customers. Our stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and deferring little people, yeah. <laughs> So that was interesting to me. That's why I also have a translation a translation agency who's doing translation into um, Dutch. Right, right, interesting. Right. So when, because in that sense, when you when you talk about growth, 
uh, right? You can you can do that on two sides, uh, you specifically, because you've got two sides that actually support each other. Um, do you want to grow your product side more, or do you want to grow your your agency side more? Um, because the reason I ask is one is obviously way more scalable than the other. For an agency side, you need to also scale the amount of people you have and um, <laughs> everything that comes with that, right? Or am I am I am I mistaken in how you how you set that up? Mm, I mean, I, I think I know what you mean, but on on the product side, I also need more people, more work horse power to enable in order to be able to grow faster at least um and that's like feature wise or is that is that support people that you need at the moment no i have support um and we just recently scaled up a little bit i'm doing that with an external agency that is uh, it's also a great uh, model so it's outsourced so when i need more support hours i just tell them i need more support hours every day and then they just scale up so that's that's cool so it's very little small lever that i have here yeah for sure. um but at the moment i'm thinking about hiring some person that uh, would help me with the pr marketing side for the product plugin business and on the agency side i think i need a salesperson so it's maybe a little bit different type of people that I need, but on both sides I need people. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and in that sense, it also sounds like you like you're not going to actually do uh, grow via only one side, but grow both things at the same time, and then yeah. do whatever that side really needs to um, to get that to get that actual growth. I can mm -hmm. I can I can imagine that in the end, what you'll what you'll have is. Um, uh, a company that from both sides sort of generates the same amount of uh, both labor and revenue or am I mistaken there is that is it is it one side is definitely financially more supportive than the other side at the moment it is that way one is more supportive than the other mm -hmm. but um, I can imagine that they might overtake one is overtaking the other and maybe then the other way around. I don't know. I, I don't really look at that so much. I mean, it's good to know the numbers. I know the numbers, obviously. Mm. Both have, are difficult to grow, you know, and maybe one side is easier for me to manage uh, the growth than the other. I don't know, but time will tell. At the moment, you know, uh, I only had the agency business, which was generating cash flow for a long time, and now the product plugin business is also contributing to all of that. Um, but at a smaller part, maybe it will take over. Maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know. I I don't know where the ceiling is, uh, and I hope I never will find out. Uh, I hope that it will always grow and grow and grow. So, what kind of challenges say... are you are you seeing there uh, on 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 either side? Because it's 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 really interesting to me that that you have sort of um, a, a firsthand experience in both of these models at the same time, like the the, the, the mm -hmm. product led thing and the agency thing, where where personal engagement is so much more important. Um, so, what kind of challenges do you see there, where uh, for growth on the product side and on the agency side? On the agency side, for instance, um, one thing that was holding me up uh, for some time was contracts with clients. So we started first with performance-based contracts and that was difficult. Um, not only, you know, the calculation every month was a bit more difficult. It was also finding some kind of profit share, which was okay for us and for the customers. But then if we did our job really good, suddenly our invoices became much larger and then customers thought, thought like, like for that money I can hire someone you know <laughs> why do I need an agency <laughs> and then you're in a suddenly in a totally different spot uh, at the same time there are also customers who don't pay or don't don't pay in time and then there's, there's that risk and something I hate as well because it's always uncomfortable discussions with customers you know when you talk about that <laughs> um Whereas on the other side, so this is a kind of a problem in, in the agency part. On the product side, you don't have that because they always pay upfront 
for the subscription. So either they pay for the subscription and they get their pro features or they don't pay and they don't get it. And so a different type of kind of discussion, you know, you discuss more with customers uh, feature sets and uh, are you going to implement it or not? Or how do you prioritize it or not? Uh, it's totally, yeah, it's different. I, I think it's very interesting. Um, just listening to you, because what it strikes me is that you're an, in a very chill guy. You, um, you make your decisions. So it sounds like it very much on the feeling of, I want to continue doing what I like. I'm going to refine the process that I currently have and not worry as much about the strategy or the, the goal of where I should be in five years. Um, if I'm correct in this, how did you arrive at that particular mindset? How, how did that come to be? Hmm. That's a good question that I cannot really tell. Um, maybe I don't have really an answer to that. Maybe I do. I'll try to just give one. Maybe that is the answer. Um, so I'm... I think if you do something very good and try to be good in it and improve on it, then there is value in it and you can sell this to customers. You know, I told you about the story, how and when I created the, the agency and and I I told you that I thought my, my skills are a good match. What I also thought is I think with my skill set and how I approach it, I soon very fast will be better than the average of agencies that are doing the same thing. Just because I know who I am, what I'm good in, and also know a little bit how other people are in that market. And um, so that gave me already mm, a confidence boost in a way so that I thought, okay, just keep doing that. Keep being focused on it, and then success will come with it. It's like, yeah, one thing that I wrote down um, for this podcast is uh, the success that you get is proportional to how much time and dedication you put into what you're doing. Uh, so there will always come success. If you can monetize it, is it different question. Sometimes you can, sometimes you can't. Uh, maybe there's also a little bit of my background in there, which is finance, so that I always have an eye on does it monetize or not? <laughs> yeah, so, and I, I like monetizing that because, you know, it, it lets you keep doing what you're doing the next day, the next five days, the next month, the next year, the next 10 years. So you never should get out that out of focus you always have to keep an eye on that but um, if you do uh, you ha have a lot of freedom in trying things out you know I never had an agency before or I didn't work in an agency or I didn't work with an agency many of my competitors here in Switzerland at least who have an agency they built their knowledge they, they came from agencies they, you know, they were working there for like five years, 10 years, and then they suddenly thought, okay, now I'm building my own agency. So they had all that knowledge, not only the knowledge, but also the connections. Very often they would keep the same clients they had before in their old agency. I had nothing of that. And I just had the knowledge that if I keep focusing on what I know and know well, that there will come success. Now, how long does it take for people until it does and does enough? It varies. And uh, maybe if it's too slow, then you have to focus more and find even more niche markets for you to work out well and where you are good in. So never you know, always keep the focus on it. Um, be prepared to pivot to new things. Uh, and keeping true to yourself. Maybe that is the answer. If anyone finds some inspiration in that, then I hope. 
that this was a, was a good uh, reply to your question. It totally was, and it was definitely very inspirational. And it's something that, as uh, a SaaS startup founder ourselves, you have these peaks and you have these thrusts, right? You have these moments where you're, um, where you're, where you're, where you're unable to enjoy a certain milestone or a certain piece of success because you're always looking past the horizon where you want to be in your goal, and um, at the same time, you must allow yourself to enjoy the little milestones, the little pieces of success that make you look back and say, hey, actually, I was here yesterday and I'm here today. And um, it's that's something that I've definitely learned from uh, being an agency owner is you get this almost immediate feedback from your customers, right? So it's something mm -hmm. that I've carried over from being an agency owner to becoming a product founder is um, like you, we're also very focused on the customer service, um, but it's almost a personal interest for me, uh, like aside from being able to, you know, create better experiences for people. It's also just being in contact with your customers and making sure that they actually also provide you the feedback that gives you the motivation to keep going. Uh, because mm -hmm. actually like a form and a questionnaire doesn't always give you that exact like motivation that you need to carry on. Um, and that, that I think, uh, is something that I've definitely used in my sort of determination and, uh, obviously also the product roadmap and whatnot. Um, I was actually wondering, is there like, since you're always trying to refine the process, is there a certain business challenge that you're current, that's currently on your mind, uh, that I think is something that we would be, you know, uh, we would we could profit from if uh, if if you would share it with us. Like we, you mean your business or we the listeners? I would say we the listeners. <laughs> okay. <laughs> um, as I said, um, I'm looking into hiring new people um, for the product side and for the agency side. Um, I'm not very actively doing that. I still have to fine refine what exactly what profile i need is it one profile or many profiles for instance what i heard is um, a pr person is not a marketing person so you need two people for that you know and i want to save money you know i want one for both <laughs> so there is a little bit of that that i still need to figure out um and finding the right people is certainly a, a challenge. You know? That's something uh, that I can educate them. Mm -hmm. No, it's something that I can definitely uh, speak on is so in our company, we have two commercial co-founders. We've got two technical ones and together we're four co-founders. And on the commercial marketing side, there's, there's me doing the, you could say PR stuff. And there's Sebrin doing the more technical growth marketing stuff. And we work together re really well, but we don't, uh, like we couldn't do it all by ourselves. It's, it's definitely a division in not only labor, but also in focus where I'm very much focused on spreading more awareness and making sure that people know about our product, that we give value that we don't immediately uh, expect something back from, which is just talking to people. Um, like I just made a note that you, that you're looking for someone who does PR. And I actually have someone in mind, so I'll connect you to that guy later. Those are the like the little things that help you gain a bit of reputation in the in the ecosystem because that's I think what business is all about. It's uh, it's actually something that Dutch culture is very much about. There's this word that we can't translate into Dutch, which um, you could describe as relationship relationship based business, and that's very much like the PR and the awareness stuff, which is um, making sure that you are a contribution to your market and not only like trying to, uh, the, the, you could say, get like get the money back. Um, but then on the other hand, like once you have that awareness and when you, once you have that brand reputation, you do need to make sure that you can actually monetize that obviously. And, uh, and, be, and being too focused on PR can sometimes make that disappear into the background a little bit. And then it's important that you have the right funnels and that you have the right tracking and that you have the right landing pages and lead magnets and CTAs in place to capitalize on 
the value that you're adding. And, and I feel like for me personally, and it's something that as a business owner, I was struggling with as well, is you're trying to give so much to your customers. And at the same time, you also need to make them your customers, right? Um, so yeah, I, I'd, lo I'd love to be able to tell you that this is something that you can combine in a single person. And, uh, and if you meet that person, please let me know. <laughs> but it's not something that I've been able to do yet. <laughs> Let's see, let's, um, I, I actually want to dive into um, how you collect data on the product side and how you turn that into a roadmap. Is that something, do you have a certain model for that? Do you um, collect your feedback in a certain way? Do you, how do you make decisions in that sense? Um, mm -hmm. Yeah, sure. Um, so on the product side, I have achieved something um, that is like parity, let's say like feature parity or almost feature parity to what uh, competitors do. Um, on a technical, if I go technically deeper into the product, I, I think the Pixel, Pixel Manager is my main product is technically a lot better in many, many ways. It has a lot of fallbacks for a lot of features and if it doesn't work on one shop then there's a lot of fallbacks for other shops because wordpress and woocommerce diversity is big you know, every possible way to make it work differently is being taken and so we have to be prepared for all of that in a way more or less at least so um but what i also found out is that our customer don't see that too well you know I, I from a technical technical point of view i would say ours is much better but you don't see that so what they see is what they can you know, all the clicks they can do and small boxes in the user interface the more you have it looks richer you know <laughs> So what um, I've tried to do uh, in the past few months um, is to add more tracking pixels so that it supports now more than all the other cost, um, competitors that, that we have. So that's more features. Um, but I'm not sure if that's going really to help because the main features um, are track or tracking pixels are Google and Facebook, you know, and then there's a few more, but most people just use those. If they now use uh, provider 25 and provider 175, it doesn't make much of a difference, I think, but that is an experiment that I'm running. So we are going to build more of those into the plugin and we'll see. And then the other thing is um, how approachable our um, documentation is. Until now, I've written a lot of documentation, which is mostly written and with images. But it's become huge, really big, because the, the our plugin is quite complex. It has a lot of things in it. And so that you users can use it the right way and get most out of it. There has to be documentation. And what I recently started, and only because I found a cool tool to do it with it, is to also um, add video explanations. Hmm. And I found a tool with which I can do this really, really fast and in a really nice way, in a way that like from visual quality I like, and it doesn't take too much time of my time to create it. So this is something that I'm going to add. And I think when they have more videos to watch than documentation to read, this is going to help as well. So, so this is another share. kind What's of experiment. Uh, so the, the tool is called Screen um, Studio. Okay. Screen Studio. And it simply is a screen recorder in a way, but it has a few nice features. For instance, it automatically focuses um, to the point of your mouse pointer. Oh, nice. That is very helpful. And so you don't have to add this after you re screen recorded everything. You don't have to go through the entire video file and do it manually. There are other, other tools that can do that, but you have to 
go into the file and say like from second five to second 10, I won't have a zoom at exactly this point in the screen. And this tool does it for you. You still can adjust it, but a lot of that process is simplified. That's a, a great tip, man. Yeah, um, that's a good one. Do you have any other tools that you can share? Because I like this is <laughs> this is my my <laughs> my main obsession to get better tools yeah. to become more productive. So one tool that maybe is not for everyone, but in our case, it made a lot of sense is for writing a nice documentation and blog and so on. What I started to like is using Markdown a lot mm. because Markdown, writing in Markdown makes it easy for me not to look at the formatting anymore. Uh, so I, I spent too much time in WordPress to format everything the right way in a way. But if you have everything set up and you just write in Markdown, everything is formatted for you automatically yeah. in the same Visual way. It's awesome for and I, I use now DocuSaurus for it. It's a React platform. Um, and it allows me to write very fast and iterate um, the, the documentation yeah. very fast and keep the quality high. Yeah. Can confirm. We also use and it uh, can... DocuSaurus. Oh, cool. So this is a great platform. And I, I write a blog post in, posts in, in Markdown. And if I need, I still can add additional HTML and Java, JavaScript um, modules in where, where, wherever I want in the page. So this is a fantastic combination. So that's one thing, one tip for, for businesses that have a little bit of a larger documentation. It makes a lot of sense using DocuSaurus. And then what I recently found out is another tool that I like. It's called uh, GetCody, uh, getCody.ai. What it is, is it is a, um, a chatbot, an AI chatbot, which you can place on your website. The cool thing about this, it is you can feed it with all your documentation. So what you do is you, you let it crawl over your website, over your documentation website. And then when you start chatting with it, it gives you relevant information that is written in your documentation. So when I look at the chats that have been um, done in the past few days and weeks um, of people who were using it, I see a lot of questions that usually would have come to us to support channel, um, but now they don't because they're simple answers. The chatbot easily answers them, sometimes even better than I could. Wow. I'm surprised. I'm really surprised how well that works. And well, they That's only great. started, uh, I think, beginning of this year. So this is only going to be better and better over the past, over the next months and, and years. So I'm really looking forward uh, to uh, those improvements. Can at it the also... moment, it doesn't go on. At the moment, it doesn't recrawl the website, so you have to do that manually. But this is a feature that is coming. So yeah. Can it also interpret videos? Uh, because you mentioned you wanted to add videos. Mm, I don't know. I don't know. That would be sick. <laughs> the thing is, the, since I write everything in text first, right? there's always notes and images. So it has all the information it needs from the texts I write. But yeah, if it could also interpret the video, that would be great. Mm. Interesting. So I, uh, I love that. So go on. Uh, yeah, I was I was actually curious about the um, about the thing you we were talking about before the the, the, the feature parody and how it's uh, hard to convince people that your product's actually better, even though you get the same clicks and checkboxes and and input fields, um, because we sort of have that same problem at uh, at WildCloud, right? Uh, what it looks like is you get WordPress and you can get WordPress at, at, at any other hosting. So how do you explain what is better if we can't really show you like what's under the hood, right? Um, <laughs> and a little, a little sort of, sort of uh, thing I've been thinking about the, the, the last couple of weeks um, because I've been looking at cars. I've been looking at buying a car. And <laughs> one thing that I noticed about, uh, about cars is they sort of have that same problem. They sort of also have that idea of there's all of this stuff happening, but in the end, you're just sitting there with a big wheel in front of you. And, you know, the point is drive and try not to crash. <laughs> but there's so much happening behind the dashboard and under the, under, the, under the hood, like in the actual engine, right? So 
I was thinking, like, what do car manufacturers do to show that this vehicle is special because there's like, I don't know, a, a special type of injection in it or a special type of brake or whatever, right? Um, and it turns out they just sort of say it everywhere, like everywhere, <laughs> right? If there is a special thing with, for example, airbags in the in the uh, in the doors, then that door is just gonna say airbags like everywhere, right? <laughs> and I was thinking, would that also work in software? Like, what do you think? Would it would it work if because you say like the fallback mechanism is what makes your product special, right? Like you. And that means a sort of a freedom for people that they can actually also mm -hmm. fall back on, on, on other pieces of software to do the same thing. Do you think yeah. it would just help to just say that? <laughs> just say like, yeah, these are the same checks. These are the same boxes, but now, we have this. There's two viewpoints. You know, one is um, when you have not just five features, but like hundred. Mm -hmm. So which one are you going to talk about? Are you going to talk about all of them? So, so you can, when you have, you have like 100 videos you have to create, 100 pages you have to create. Um, and then suddenly there's a lot of noise and people don't know really what to look at and what to look for. On the other side, when you decide to talk about mostly about five features, then are those the features that mo people are mostly looking at? So I think maybe it's a combination. So you have to find out the five most important ones of those hundred mm -hmm. and first talk about them and mostly, but also talk about uh, the other 95 yeah. for sure. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's, it's a combination and again, you know, prioritize if you don't have the time and resources to do all at once and you don't know which are the five most important ones, you just guess and you learn. And that's essentially what I'm doing now that I have a large documentation. I started now additionally to create those videos because I believe uh, this will help to some extent, at least. I like it also to have those videos a lot. <laughs> I personally like it more to, to, to watch those, although I don't like listening to my voice. <laughs> it, it still, it feels like it's more approachable for more people who we are in a different you know, I grew up in a, in a, in a time where we didn't have YouTube videos to explain how to do things. So we had to read the manual. So it was, I still read the manual, but if it's like 10 pages today, I wouldn't read it anymore. I just Google if I find something on YouTube. So this is really the way to go. We have to have a video for sure. Yeah. 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 It's a, it's a different era in that sense. Like I'll, I'll, I'll either want to have a stack overflow answer that is super short and super to the point or a video that I can put up maybe also in the background and just sort of scan it as it mm -hmm. were to see if mm -hmm. I, if I actually get the answer to my question. Yeah. And Before I'm, I'm we, uh... like when you're, when you're talking about length also, like suddenly, because I also, I also remember times where, uh, the things I wanted to do were not really on YouTube. Um, like the, the the pieces of tech that I wanted to use were not really on YouTube yet, and um, I was I was back then I was also honestly not really willing to read like ten pages of documentation, but somehow I am willing to watch a video that's like an hour long. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I see. I got to same here. Hey, Vanot, you have me curious though. Um, like, where do you stand right now on the whole car and? promoting the stuff that makes you special in software thing like wh where do you stand what's your uh... well so i mean in 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 that sense the in that sense cars seem to car manufacturers seem to um uh like in their in their general messaging they go for exactly what you said alexander they go for the uh for the main aspects so that is basically um you know if it's a if it's a if it's a honda fit or something like that um then they go for this is a very safe and reliable car right and if it's a, if it's a bit faster thing then they go for for raw horsepower on the wheel um so they 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 but then they sort of funnel it in as it were uh, that's a that's actually a wrong term probably so what they seem to do is with everything every action that you perform within that car they explain to you why 
why this specific action is actually special, right? They mm -hmm. they start going into this whole, you see, like this this little logo there when you do X, and that means that this car actually has this great new technology. And I think that sort of it doesn't necessarily mean that the that the driver, that the user is going to get why this car is special, but they are going to get that this car is special. And I think mm -hmm. that's a big thing there. That 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 car manufacturers sort of have the luxury of explaining the magic of an engine by just explaining that it's magic. <laughs> yeah. I remember that they counted once how often um uh in, in the, the Apple iPhone presentations, how often they mentioned the word awesome. <laughs> and now this awesome feature, and now that awesome feature, and this is awesome. So I, if you repeat it so many times, it sticks in a way. It, it really does. It really does. And, and if you can also make it in such a way that that you can just, that you don't have to understand it any further than awesome, then I think that's that's probably that's probably the the, the path you want to take there, right? Um, what I mean what I mean by that is, if you don't need to explain any further, like why a functionality works in order to be able to work with it, uh, for example, an airbag or a, you know a, a, a door that opens on its own, stuff like that. Um, if you don't have to explain any further, like technically how to actually deal with it, then you can just call it awesome. And people are like, yeah, it's awesome because it's a door and it mm -hmm. opens all on its own. It's awesome. Um, and then I think then you 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 can actually use that little that that little sort of quirk of, of probably human nature where you just call something yeah. awesome and magic. And then people say like, yes, <laughs> when you have a presentation and you're presenting 10 features, maybe some are easy to understand and people understand. Yes, this is awesome. And then there maybe are some features which are technically more difficult to understand. And when you still tell them it's awesome, they are going to conclude, well, the other things also were awesome. So this must be also awesome. By extension, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's interesting. We're, we're sure. entering into the realm of product design. And I feel like we're definitely on the verge of talking about usability almost. Because if it's easy to use and if it's sticky, then you can call it awesome. And if it's something that where the added value is not immediately apparent and you keep calling it awesome, then people are going to be, I think, even put off because they're like, okay, I'm sure it's awesome, but I can't use it. It's very hard for me. So, I mean, you were making the comparison with a door just now. I mean, a door just opens, right? Like there's really nothing much more to it. But then um, there are definitely um, features in my car. Like, for example, I can never figure out how to blow the the air into the screen when the when the when the when the windshield <laughs> is fogged up I'm, I'm always trying to figure out which one of the settings it is and i would hate it if they called it awesome just the way it is today but if they did make it into a single button and it just works and it would always unfog my my windshield for sure i would I, that would be an awesome feature so I, I definitely it definitely uh depends on how 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 easy it is and how well it actually works once you press this single button and I think like going back even further to the, the, the notion of the airbag, it, it says airbag, uh, but it doesn't really serve much more of a purpose than to let you know that you're in a safe car. Like for example, just knowing that there's an airbag in your door won't help you at all when you do get into an accident in the sense of being able to prepare for it, like leaning more towards it, because you're not going to do that. The whole idea is it's going to work for you no matter what you do, no matter how hard to crash, it's going to work at that moment. So just be safe or rather be comfortable because we've got you because it says it right here. Exactly. I think that's, um, it's, it's a very good comparison. I mean, cars are definitely one of the, you know, most well-researched and most well-developed products that anybody can have. I mean, they're for some people, the most, most expensive things they'll ever buy, uh, uh, other than a house, uh, if they can get a house in these economic times. So, yeah, no, I think, uh, there's, there's, uh, a lot of effort that goes into define like designing their product well but come to come to speak of it i would definitely appreciate a button that just unfogs the windshield <laughs> like right <laughs> that would work for me <laughs> all right well Sometime. on that note um yeah. i think it's almost time to wrap up um but actually i would love to wrap up alex 
with, if you want to, at least like a quick few second pitch of what your product is, or rather the one product you want to promote, uh, because we've been sp speaking about it and I'd, I'd love to include, uh, I'd love to end with a, a bit of a pitch on, uh, on why people should use your product. Okay, um, so I would pitch the, the Pixel Manager. It's a sweet code Pixel Manager for WooCommerce. It's a plugin that helps you uh, install all those tracking scripts uh, that help you track visitors and conversions. Google, Facebook, TikTok, Twitter, and so on. Um, and why this is better than using others is I would say the opportunity cost is the smallest. It has so many cool features that help get most out of those campaigns for you. It has a lot of advanced features that other plugins don't have, other similar plugins don't have, um, which when you compare the cost of the subscription for the Pixel Manager and how much you can get out of it through running campaigns more successfully, it's worth every cent. And that's what that's what we do. We optimize for value. I loved it, especially since you mentioned opportunity costs, because I already see a next podcast in in a while taking place. Because I want to zero in on what you just like, how you see that, and how um, people can leverage that in their marketing. But let's end it here. Um, Vinod, you've got anything to add? Try WildCloud. <laughs> it's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> and car manufacturers, think about that button. <laughs> think about that button, maybe. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, cool. Well, thanks a lot, everybody. Let me just uh, end it right there. Thanks. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Vinod. Thank you.